america.bandcamp.com. Okay, uh, I had a few things together, and then, uh, I, oh, yeah, I didn't even finish talking about this week, because it's been a pretty <laughs> disturbing week, also with the elections and whatnot, and, I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of folks view elections as, there, there are certain measures that make things a little bit easier. There was, a, unfortunately, there was a measure in California that did not pass, Prop 10, and San Francisco overwhelmingly passed, which is great. However, for the rest of California, it did not, and that would have repealed Costa Hawkins, and it would have expanded rent control, which we all know is good for people. However, landlords, a lot of wealthy folks, put a lot of money into deceiving people, so there was a lot of literature out there that was lying to people, and again, it, it resulted in people voting against their best interests, which is extremely frustrating and discouraging. Prop C, thankfully, did pass here, not by a wide margin, although it should have. However, it did pass, so grateful for that, and um, hopefully a lot of folks will you know, push through, and that for folks who are not um, in the Bay Area or not familiar with Prop C, it, was going to ta- it is going to tax businesses that make more than $50 million a year, and all those funds will go directly to providing mental health care and housing for unhoused folks. That's pretty fucking awesome, and uh, we'll send lots of love and solidarity to the folks who have spent a lot of time and energy making that happen. And so so that was good. So those were a couple of local measures. Uh, the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco, we got a lot of more progressive folks um, on board, which is great. There were some people who were nervous about certain uh, certain things happening. That's, not, that's pretty vague, isn't it? That is vague. Uh, however, more... Progressive folks and board of supervisors, which will hopefully counteract the mayor who is was not in favor of Prop C or so. Yeah, so that's good. And of course, I'm also I recognize politicians can only do so much. In many cases, they do harm. And uh, at the same time, it's easier to organize when there are folks in positions of power who aren't trying to actively kill us. Hopefully, folks can agree with that. There, you know, it's it's a very I, as I've mentioned before on the show, I have a lot of respect and put a lot of attention towards folks who organize, people who are involved with direct actions, people who do mutual aid, uh, people who create the world we, we want to live in, um, as opposed to necessarily working within the system, which we know the system isn't for the people, and that's kind of how we've gotten here. It's been years and years of voting for the lesser of two evils. It's been years of Democrats who are supposedly, some folks think, on our side, yet they continue to vote to raise the military budgets, and they vote to continue mass incarceration, and they don't go after big banks, and they don't decide to do any kind of student loan forgiveness for the most part. And uh, these are folks who even Pelosi was like, oh, well, bipartisanship. Oh, well, we'll work, we'll work with these fascists. She didn't use the word fascist, but that's kind of what these folks are. So if you're, if you're say that you're part of the resistance, that you're not going to challenge the people in positions of power and who are <sighs> giving money to ICE instead of health care, which was literally happening, or taking money away from FEMA and giving it again to ICE and just really fucking horrible, just going against the people if you're working with them instead of against them, then you're not of any you're not of any help. So, uh, a lot of mixed feelings, and I think a lot of folks we've been raised to think, oh, we you know, this thing will solve everything. And I'm definitely a proponent. And there are many things that people need to do in order to create a just society. And voting is not the only thing. So I want to encourage the folks who are I don't know if the the folks those folks I don't know the individuals who listen to this show. I, I do feel that if as much attention was put on voting as there was 
engaging in direct action. And I get that we all have different abilities. I'm talking about for the folks who are able-bodied, who have the time and energy, who can show up. Who can show up. If folks were as adamant about showing up as they were about voting, we would live in a much different society. So I want to encourage folks, again, to call in people. And I know there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of fear. And I myself am wrapped up in part of that, too, where a lot of folks I know are having difficult times. I'm, I have a difficult time as well, various things that are happening. It's difficult to witness everything. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of frustration, especially recognizing how many of these systems that are in place and have been in place since before any of us were born. So it's not like this is something new that suddenly we have to realize how to, to combat. These are things that folks have been fighting against for centuries. And now perhaps it's the mask is off, even though some people still refuse to believe it. But the mask is off for the most part. And this is what the, this is what the U.S. has kind of been based on. And thankfully some of these folks are dying out. The old white racist men still looking to have that kind of control. And they're losing it. And so they're by they're trying to pass these fucking draconian laws. They're using violence against people. This is their their last attempt to hold on to what they think they have. And unfortunately a lot of us have to live through it. But my point is not to discourage or to talk down to folks. The point is to call in people, and I get that there's a lot of folks who are already doing so much. It's perhaps for the folks who are only voting and not doing anything else, or who people who have only have faith in our politicians and have faith in the system, which has time and time again gone against the people. When there are millions of people who are incarcerated, and I keep coming back to that. When... You can have your college loans paid for if you join the military and not other ways. When there continue to be policies that are drafted against people. I do believe in some way we can maybe come out of it, but more and more people need to show up in a lot of ways. So I want to call people in. I want to encourage people to to do just that. Which brings me to, oh, well, there's a downer. So in my email, I, I don't necessarily always check email during the show. This came up and I felt it was important to share. The TSA wants to force you to take a mugshot just to fly. <laughs> So this is also where, I mean, just the, the ease into fascism I've been talking about. Many people have been talking about for a long time, and it's become so normalized that people just don't, unless people fight against it, it's just going to become normalized. And I mean, we already take our shoes off at the airport. We already allow them to do these fucking obscene searches and how many people are profiled. Oh, I mean, it goes against everything about just being a human. It just instills fear in people. 
So the TSA, this is from Demand Progress, by the way. I started unsubscribing to create a lot of emails from a lot of different organizations. And sometimes I'm like, how did you even get my email in the first place? Which also happened with the voting thing. I don't know. I don't know a lot of other folks got texts. I got texts from folks wanting me to vote against props I'd already voted for. And I had to have a few words with people. It was really disgusting. Okay. Anyway, the TSA wants to make their airport security lines even more invasive. Recently, they've announced plans to team up with Customs and Border Patrol to require domestic travelers to submit to mugshots for a facial recognition program in order to fly. What could go wrong? A lot. Tell the TSA to immediately shut down this facial recognition program. For one, the facial recognition technology is still alarmingly bad at identifying women and people of color. That programming bias could result in discriminating against anyone who isn't a white male from flying, which already happens a lot. Worse, the TSA is tight-lipped on what happens to facial scan data after it's collected, and that's a major privacy concern. As a federal agency, will the TSA share that data with the FBI, NSA, DEA, ICE, or local law enforcement? We don't know. TSA security lines already make us submit to body scans, and you can also opt out. I want to encourage folks to opt out if you're able to. I personally prefer to opt out. Those machines give me the heebie-jeebies. Ugh. Um, you do get like a body cert. It's, I mean, it's equally invasive and a different kind of invasive, I should, I guess. So opt out for, I guess, a lesser of two evils. Do you want to get, you know, have, feel gross by a machine or gross by a human being? I don't know. I, it, okay. We can talk about that later. Anyway. So they've already, okay. okay. TSA lines already make us submit to body scans, remove our shoes, and limit what kinds of products we can pack and on carry-on bags. That's another thing, too. I just love when they make us get rid of water as if there's, like, not, you know, a lack of water and, or droughts that are happening. That's totally awesome. Way to go. Thanks for protecting us from drinking water. Cool. And according to research studies, those security precautions don't even work that well at protecting us. Now they want to go to the – want to go – the extra and invasive personal mile by forcing us to submit to mugshots to a fascist recognition program just to be able to fly. Tell the TSA and this facial recognition program with Customs Border Patrol immediately. Thanks for taking action. So this is pretty much a uh, this is like a super low uh, low level. Uh, doesn't require a lot of time or energy. You sign the petition. It's on demand. Progress. Um, I should probably share it so folks have access to it as well. I'm going to share this on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Roman Reimer. And oh, I'm already following them. That's nice. And there's also a red alert for net neutrality. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of disturbing things are happening. Um, I don't quite see it popping up very easily on their Twitter. I think there's just because there's a lot of things that are happening and a lot of a lot of disturbing things to be aware of. So it's not at the top of their list on Twitter. However, if you go to Demand Progress, I'm sure you can find it and s sign it. Also, we're back on Facebook. We're kind of off Facebook for a little bit, the Weekly Review webpage, possibly because there's other things called the Weekly Review. Originally, this show was the Weekly Review with Roman and Molly because we had a co-host, and then I just shortened it to Weekly Review. Now it's the Weekly Review on Mutiny Radio, which you can find on Facebook. Share news articles there. Follow us there. I'm going to try to share this article on there right now. So that way, take action. Uh, I don't know. 
what good can come of it. I don't want to be pessimistic, though. So maybe this petition will all it'll take to stop the TSA. Let's be, let's just be so optimistic that, um, and again, I don't quite see it on here just yet. Uh, they have a lot of posts about, uh, having a free internet for net neutrality, which is great. This, I guess this is really new. The, the TSA story is really new, so it hasn't made it quite yet to their other pages. However, if you go to Demand Progress, you can find it on there, and I will do my best to share it as soon as uh, I am able to. I've already signed it. Maybe. Okay. Um... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hopefully you find it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'll do my best to share. Okay. That's what happens when there's a lot of stuff going on. And something else. Uh, I guess that's my rant. Oh, yeah. So the election. Oh, yeah. Total voter suppression in Georgia. Now they're finding machines that, like, were, like, hidden. That they didn't even. There, so there are folks. Not only folks being turned away. In Florida, I think, for, like, their signatures not matching. In Vermont, there are a lot of trans folks who were turned away from voting. And that's the whole thing, too, where it's, like, you know, it's great to get folks to vote, and at the same time, who's actually counting the votes? And the thing with, with Georgia now, thankfully, Brian Kemp has stepped down as overseeing the election, which is really fucked up considering he's running it. It makes no sense at all that someone who is it's, – it's imagine someone playing a, a sport, a, a sport, and they also happen to be the referee. Imagine that. How fair is that going to be? And we think back to Florida and the 2000 election, got dumb-dumb. I'm sorry, I call a lot of politicians dum-dums. I'm being very, I'm trying to be very cordial here. Dum-dum, W. And uh, his brother was governor, for for young folks out there, <laughs> uh, his, his brother was governor of the state, and there was a massive re recount, but it wasn't quite great. Anyway, long story short, they, they stole the election in Florida, and like a lot of folks voted for one person, and then like, the votes got changed to the other. It was pretty reprehensible and meanwhile his brother was a governor so how can things really be fair and just and again it goes back to who's in position of power who's counting the votes and if it, it it's if the actual votes aren't being counted then how just can anything be and that's happened there have been so many stolen elections i've kind of lost track even kennedy jfk he they did some election tampering in illinois too so it's kind of like uh it's all corrupt blah 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 also it's still happening uh in in georgia and in in florida and again i mentioned in vermont with trans folks and texas there were some folks as well so this is just a and then in new york in terms of not having early voting and then it just there's really long lines so folks who are unable to stay for various reasons if you're just able not not able to stand or if you can't get off work for two or three hours there they make voting as hard as possible for folks so Oh, yeah. My, my, okay, so apparently the Democrats, they won the House, but they, didn't, they lost some seats in the Senate, but then there are some folks that are now doing recounts. Uh, so there we go. Um, disappointing news. Last I heard, um, some progressive mayors did not win in the East Bay. Uh, where lots of folks were pulling for Javanka Beckles in Berkeley and Cat Brooks in Oakland. And neoliberals decided to back the folks they're running against, so fuck neoliberals. And that's me not calling people in. It's more people calling people out. That's really disturbing. Libby Schaff hasn't helped people. She's made more folks hope, like, hasn't done anything to help unhoused folks in Oakland. And the person in Berkeley is Buffy Wicks, who ran on the Clinton campaign. So put those, put that information together. Okay. 
uh, that's my my summary. Uh, direct action is needed on all fronts all the time. Okay. So I do like to also provide some historical context because we don't get taught history in a lot of these classes that we take. If we're able to get into higher education and it's not accessible because it's so expensive a lot of the time. And even then, the truth isn't always taught. Oh, I'm also glad fucking Scott Walker, ex-governor of Wisconsin, is gone. Fuck you. Fucking asshole. Fucking asshole. Scott Walker, go fuck yourself. Good thing, though, apparently he passed this, he passed this bill years ago that meant if you were second place um, and you lost by, I think, more than 1%, then you couldn't demand a recount, and he lost by 1.2%. So he couldn't demand a recount. He was just super. He was a union-busting. Uh, University of Wisconsin, they had a history of science department. The whole There were a lot of attacks on education in Wisconsin and on unions, all that he was responsible for and led. He was backed by the Koch brothers. Really awful dude. Thankfully, he was not reelected governor. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Just needed to get that out. And also, Chris Kobach in Texas was not elected, and so that's good. And uh, the other person who was elected decided to reinstate protections for queer folks, and that's good. So, again, it's going to take more than laws to keep people safe because we do know that there's increase in hate crime attacks. And at the same time, anything we can get to help folks stay safe is great. Also, yes on three in Massachusetts passed, which was um, continuing to protect trans folks. It passed two to one. So that's great. The folks who didn't, who voted no on that, go fuck yourself. All right. Anyway. Oh, my point. One of my many points. I'm just talking a lot here. There's a lot of information, and I get that's why a lot of us are fucking exhausted. That and the, the air quality, which is apparently is bad. It's in red. So please do. Again, we're N95 masks or higher if you're able to. I know there are a lot of folks who have gone around in previous previous times of air, bad air quality, to buy masks and to distribute them. So I'll keep my eyes out for folks who are doing that and perhaps spread the word. And you would think that, oh, maybe <laughs> the government would do that for us, but they don't. It's really just direct action time and time again. So it's really important to learn history, especially things that are not taught, and also to find out what worked, what didn't work, and also just to see how much more angry at police following orders I can get. And it seems to, like, there's always another day. Another day I need to read another story, another book in a another, another chapter in a history book, and then, oh, the police did that. Oh, Great. So from the SF Chronicle, which is a pretty right-wing paper, but all right, they at least provide this positive, well, it's not really a positive, but they provide this historical fact for a lot of folks who might not be aware, how San Francisco's bloody strikes changed academia and the nation 50 years ago. This is written by uh, Bill Van Niekerken, and it came out on November 7th. And you can find it at uh, sfchronicle.com. I would also advise not reading too many of their other stories since they're biased. I do appreciate historical context. And perhaps once you know something happens, if it happens 50 years ago, then folks seem to recognize how important it is, but maybe not at the time. Even the New York Times, they're like, who is this Hitler guy? Let's hear what he has to say. And yet they do it again and again for fascists. Rolling my eyes. Okay, anyway, recently rediscovered photos show the violence on the San Francisco State College campus and the savagery of police. And they have a photo here. Fucking idiot. Okay, excuse me. 
Okay, 50 years ago, students at what was then San Francisco State College fought back and changed academia forever. A student-led strike on the campus began November 6, 1968, and lasted 134 days. By the time an agreement was finally reached, students and police had violently clashed many times, and about 500 protesters had been arrested. A recent trip to the Chronicle's archive turned up dozens of photos, many not published in decades, if ever, that show the sacrifices the protesters made and the savagery of police trying to quell the uprising. Several student administration conflicts had started during the 1967 school year, but the suspension of Black Panther George Murray, a graduate student and instructor who urged students to bring guns to campus, escalated the protests into a full-blown effort to close the college. On the Monday after Murray's suspension, roving bands of students representing several organizations, such as the Black Student Union and the Third World Liberation Front, interrupted classrooms, exhorting their fellow students to leave in support of the strike. By the time by the time 35 police officers arrived from the nearby Terraval station, the campus was in chaos. Over several days, faculty support grew, as did the violence between police and strikers. A midday campus skirmish on November 13, 1968, saw eight youths arrested and several injured, prompting San Francisco State President Robert Smith, not of the cure, to suspend classes. Assembly Speaker Jesse Unruh and Governor Fuckface Ronald Reagan, excuse me, demanded the college be reopened. The governor called Smith's actions to act of capitulation. Reagan said, professors are paid to teach, not lead, or encourage violent forays. Yet, later on, Reagan would go on to support uh, military coups, so, and just put people out on the street. I'm not gonna spend my energy fucking yelling at the ghost of Ronald Reagan, but maybe uh, I really fucking want to. Continuing on. Professors are paid to teach, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, you can't teach students if students aren't able to defend themselves. Okay, excuse me. I'm going to go back to the article. It's really hard for me to speak the words of Ronald Reagan right now. Okay, blah, blah, blah. So Reagan said, if they refuse to honor the trusts our citizens have placed in them, they should look for work elsewhere. Smith resigned on November 26th, and S.I. Hayakawa was installed as president of the college. Hayakawa announced he would open the college on December 2nd under a state of emergency. 300 police officers were on hand to enforce tough new rules. Ten people were arrested in standoffs to find the first day as Hayakawa attempted to reopen the college. A day later, nine were injured and 31 arrested. The December 4th Chronicle headline called it the worst day yet. Hayakawa, for his part, stood strong in his convictions. I want to make it clear to everyone that I will break this reign of terror. That's funny because the reign of terror is kind of coming from the police, but okay. How rough did it get? Chronicle photographer Vince... Maggiora was clubbed by police while photographing the action. A second blow was stopped when he identified himself as a member of the press. So it's nice to know that there was a time when the press weren't attacked by police. Good to know that that existed at a time. As mediation broke down and violence continued, Hayakawa announced that Christmas break would begin a week early, giving the situation three weeks to cool down. The college attempted to reopen January 6, 1969. The new year brought a teacher strike in support of the students' demands. Reagan, responding to the teacher's teacher's action, declared, I think it has to be kept open. If you have to surround with whatever force is necessary, those who want to get an education, those who want to teach should be protected at the point of a 
bayonet if necessary. On November, f- excuse me, on March 4th, after weeks of picketing, protesting, and negotiating, most teachers returned to work under terms of a settlement approved by the union and college authorities. Two weeks later, an official administration statement read, Dr. Hayakawa will announce specific plans for establishing a school of ethnic studies to include a black studies department. He will also announce plans for expanding minority programs and for extending educational opportunities to a broader spectrum of the San Francisco community. Soon after, black student union leaders uh, Benny Stewart and Jerry Vernado climbed on cafeteria chairs at midday, cupped their hands, and told the 1,000 students gathered around, the Central Committee has decided to accept the agreement. The strike is over. And they have a photo here of officers pointing revolvers at demonstrators outside the administration building on December 5th, 1968. Ah. Okay. Oh, so they have a few more... Um, links on the in the article if you want to find it. Uh, a clash in history. They have Vietnam War protesters took a stand, shutting down the Oakland Induction Center, a governmental hub where draftees were processed before being sent to the armed services. The response from authorities was swift and at times savage. They have that from October 1967. They also have the free speech movement activists reflect on their accomplishments in the 1960s. Question. What is the event you remember most? One respondent's answer, sitting in a police car for 32 hours from noon on October 1st, 1964 until 8 p.m. on October 2nd. Wow. So the Chronicle Vault is part of the the Chronicle's twice-weekly newsletter highlighting more than 150 years of San Francisco stories. So you can find out more information again. And also just be aware of their other articles. But for the most, the Chronicle, I want to be clear, voted to no on, on Prop C, which would have, of course have wealthy business businesses donate money to help on house folks. So I'm glad that this is at least one story that's telling the truth as it is. All right. I think it's time to give my, my voice a break. It's been uh, the air here. Again, the air quality is pretty rough. Please find masks if you're able. <laughs> it's the world that we're living in. More music from Invalidations Volume 2. And I've been playing songs throughout the album in in order. Uh, The last song we heard was uh, Place Your Love Upon My Pain. The next one is We Wear the Mask. (sighs) How how fitting. Okay, so again, check out uh, jubakalamka.bandcamp.com and please buy this album. have their dangers, but few demand a greater measure of courage than that of the miner. In spite of every safeguard, the perils that lurk in the pit are not yet completely overcome. And now and again there is news of stark tragedy. But science has come magnificently to the rescue of the rescuer, as these whole time members of an Ilkeston life-saving squad will demonstrate. I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Feel better. 
And don't you dare feel sorry for him. Don't you dare. My brother is the meanest handicap that God has ever created. I wonder how you think. How do you express a visual concept, not in words? Maybe you think symbolically. What does your mind call something
issue right now don't know why it stopped playing uh <laughs> oh okay we're gonna refresh the page and play some more anyway thanks so much for listening to the weekly review uh, yeah again invalidations volume two jklm um while we're here while i'm here i'm gonna play a clip so Something that was really cool was that, so unfortunately, even though Prop 10 did not pass in California, uh, folks still decided to protest. Really fucking cool. And so the um, a lot of the stickers and signs for in favor of Prop 10, because the rent is too damn high, perhaps folks saw these around town, and folks in Santa Monica uh, had decided to... Um, yeah show up in favor of it and again the article has some more information this is from abc news i know okay uh so apparently they say the reason the propositions failed is because corporate interests dropped tens of millions of dollars to defeat it but they said the fight <coughs> for rent control isn't over and oh it happened at black lobby of blackstone which is a private equity real estate firm um several protesters were arrested Advocates said the firm gave $7 million towards the defeat of Prop 10. You know, $7 million could also provide housing for people. And that's what's so fucking disgusting is that people who put the money to defeat <laughs> bills that would actually help people. It's so fucking gross. Anyway, I'm going to play a clip here um, from ABC.com, ABC7, uh, and we'll share that with you. Fair housing activists in handcuffs, stung by last night's 23-point defeat of Prop 10, which would have expanded rent control in California. Dozens taking over the Santa Monica lobby of Blackstone, a real estate private equity firm that gave millions to see Prop 10 fail. We are the Among those taken into custody My mom was a homeless mother of six. We've been living in the hotel for more than a year now, and um, right now we're kind of tired of this, so that's why we're here. We are here to say that we deserve to be able to pay our rent. Thirteen people were arrested and released, and the group says while they may have been defeated, they aren't defeated. We want to let everybody know that we have just begun to fight. That it was a disappointment yesterday, but we have in the process built a movement. We're not here to fight just to fight. We're just here fighting for our basically our rights, and we just want our lives back normal how it was. So where does the effort go from here? Organizers say they won't have to wait till 2020 in the next election to get a proposition put on it. Rather, they say the state legislature and governor-elect Gavin Newsom can do exactly what Prop 10 would have done, and these people say they're going to organize their efforts to get them to do just that in 2019. All right, so sending lots of love and solidarity to the folks out there protesting. 
<sighs> also, police, wow. Arresting a, a homeless mother of six. That's, wow. You're really, really serving and protecting. Great. Okay, so did want to share that. Folks out there showing up. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go back and play some more music while I find the next thing to play on the show. It's 127. Coming up next at 2 p.m. is Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective. Tonight there's comedy at the station, and there's a lot of shows here at Mutiny Radio. There's Labor and Love is a show here. There's a lot of other shows that folks can check out. Um, on Wednesday evenings, there's an AA meeting here. It's not broadcast live on the radio, but you can come in and have a space here to talk about things. Okay, cool. Also, if you're interested in having a show here of your own, you get two hours a week. It's uncensored. You can say whatever you want. You uh, pay uh, for monthly dues. You get the training, and you get to use the equipment here and do a show. Pretty cool. Also, the space is also available for occasional rentals. So if you want to do like a one-time show here, that's also a possibility. Please check out mutinyradio.fm. We also have the archives there, a list of all the shows. There are some shows that are no longer on the air, Heterotopia. I don't know if that's still going on. A lot of, it's a but really great show. A lot of great shows have come through here. So please do check out previous shows, other shows. Yeah, that's great. Do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking a lot. Wow. Okay. Um, also, if you want to support the show... Uh, listen, tell a friend, share it. If you are able to, uh, there's so many things. I don't even want to like, there's so many other things to financially support right now. So I'd say if you have the funds, um, by all means, I've posted on the weekly review webpage, which is at facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. I've linked to um, Jesse's PayPal. So please, if you have some funds, send it over to Jesse to help out with some folks in the caravan. Um, we have a Patreon here for the weekly review, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Uh, at this point, I'd rather have folks donate directly to folks doing the work uh, on the ground. If you're able to, if you have like a buck a month though to, to share with the show, that's super helpful. Big thanks to the folks who already do. Um, it helps pay for the dues here. I really greatly appreciate it. I feel it's important to have the word, just put the word out of what's actually happening and to be able to provide, if, if only once a week, if only for two hours, perspective of what's happening that we don't necessarily hear from corporate media. And ugh, fucking liberals, I swear to I swear. Oh my gosh. I am so fucked. They were so folks were protesting outside Tucker Carlson's house. Tucker Carlson's this fucking white supremacist ass from Fox News who has encouraged violence among many people. And so folks were protesting outside his house. And certain liberals were like, oh, don't protest outside. It's, that's too far. Don't protest outside his house. Meanwhile, uh, wh- wh- how, we just let we just let fascists continue to uh, sp- spread lies and harm people, uh, harm marginalized communities. That's somehow uh, that. Just gonna let that pass, and the folks who have meanwhile, Dr. Ford is also still receiving. She's had to. She testified against now unfortunate fucking asshole. Which another reason to not have faith in the justice system that there's a fucking that fucking Judge Kavanaugh has any fucking say in anything. She testified against him. She was sexually assaulted by him, and. She has received death threats numerous times. She's had to move four times. She can't return to her job at Palo Alto University. And yet folks seem to be more concerned about this fucking white ass supremacist Tucker Carlson. It's just beyond me that people will defend fascists more than they'll defend the folks who are being attacked by them. But that's that's liberals for you. I, I don't have much faith in them. Okay. There we go. That being said, we should probably wrap up the show and I got twenty minutes. I got more music to play. 
we've gone over a lot of <laughs> a lot of things here um big thanks again to jesse for calling in and we have posted jesse's paypal on the weekly review page so if you can donate a few bucks um please do so also spread the word uh, it's also just a matter of information sharing information with folks who might not know what's what's happening there's also just so much to learn so really wanting to share information that's also a really important thing that folks can do a few other articles I want folks to, I'm not going to be able to chance to read, but I want folks to check out. There's an op-ed, um, truthout.org, to end the Trump nightmare. We need a radical political agenda. So I would encourage folks to read that. And that's uh, written by Kianga Yamada-Taylor. Uh, so folks can check that out. It came out on November 7th. So I really appreciate that perspective. There are folks out there who are really calling it like they see it, and I appreciate that. Also, Rebecca Solnit also has a, an article out on uh, The Guardian recently. Um, I appreciate that analysis as well. So wanting to push forward the analysis of folks who really have a concrete understanding of what's happening. Okay, I'm going to go play some music. Maybe I'll find one more thing. Maybe I'll find a happy story to tell. They're out there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so we'll be back in a bit. Stay tuned. Provide 
young, even with wrinkles, middle-aged with rage, midlife crisis, not even on the page, cause there were no good old days, just so much pain, only go outside in the rain, so raindrop will mask my tears. I see a lot of older disabled men out here. Can't even look at each other. Is anyone else I'm in fear? 50 and single. Disabled men put down your knuckles. Open our hearts to our people. So what we need? Bear me that heart and tell her, let's be a couple. Music from Invalidations, Volume 2 by JKLM. Just saw a really disturbing headline. Thought I'd share it with everyone. <laughs> uh, I take I take no pleasure in this at all. This is this is the world we live in. U.S. Navy refused to help sinking migrant boat that capsized, killing dozens. Survivors say, and this is from Newsweek.com. So Newsweek, pretty mainstream news source. This is by David Brennan. came out today, uh, this morning. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh. They have a video. They have video footage here. They have helicopter footage. 
U.S. Navy faces allegations that one of its ships, the USNS Trenton, ignored distress calls from a sinking migrant uh, dinghy that capsized in the Mediterranean Sea in June, killing 76 people. Survivors of the disaster claim that the Trenton refused to come to their assistance until the packed migrant ship had already sunk suggesting lives that could have been saved had the Navy acted sooner. Prosecutors on the Italian island of Sicily instigated the allegations made in a video published by La Repubblica in October, the Guardian reported. The U.S. Navy ship rescued 42 people when the dinghy sank, but survivors said the 76 deaths could have been averted. We saw that ship. It was not far away, one person said. We saw the American flag. If they had rescued us when we were all still on board, 76 people would not have died. The small boat was traveling from Libya with 117 migrants on board, many from sub-Saharan Africa. It had been at sea for days when it began taking on water in the early hours of June 12th. The sea was rough, and our boat began to fill with water, one survivor said, and we suddenly saw a ship. It was an American ship. Those aboard tried to get the Trenton... The Trenton's attention for around an hour, the survivor said, but they were unsuccessful. We saw the American flag, and we tried to reach them, but as we approached, they seemed to avoid us and changed direction, claimed one. The Navy denied that the Trenton was close to the migrant boat before it sank. Rescued migrants said the cruiser returned to the scene around half an hour after the dinghy capsized. We clearly saw the same American ship that had ignored us approaching, one man said. When they asked the sailors what they, why they had not intervened before the dinghy capsized, the survivors claimed the Trenton's crew said it was not their job. <sighs> we will try to talk with the survivors of the shipwreck to understand what happened that morning, said Prosecutor Fabio Diana. He stressed that a formal investigation had not yet been launched. Commander Kyle Rains, a spokesman for the U.S. Sixth Fleet, said that was responsible for Europe, said the service was aware of the reports that an Italian official is looking into USNS Trenton's rescue of people in distress at sea. Rains said that the vessel's watch un official first saw the dinghy when it had already capsized and migrants were floating in the ocean. But a recording made by a Republican reporter indicated that the Trenton had been reticent to help at-risk migrants in a different incident two days before the fatal capsizing. Fabio Butera captured a conversation between the cruiser and Greek merchant ship Leone Hermes in which the U.S. vessel was made aware of a distressed migrant raft. An American voice replied, I have other tasking which I am following. We are unable to assist in this matter. The migrants were eventually rescued by the Leonie Hermes. Wow. So this is where America is donating its, or giving its funding to, to not help people. All right. Well, that's, oh, goodness. Oh, fuck. All right, and again, that's from Newsweek. Came out today. All right. And I also I want to recommend there's a lot of great sources out there for folks who share history and a lot of what's, I think, really important to understand. And one is workingclasshistory.com. They have a podcast. They have lots of different articles. And this is something that came out today, the Kenya Mau Mau Rebellion from 1952 to 1956. And they have a little bit of a video here, and I will uh, read the the subtitles here um, as this is happening. 
1952, a rebellion broke out against the British rule in Kenya. I'm just pausing it so I can uh, read it in time. Which became known as the Mau Mau Uprising. Over the next four years, the British would murder thousands of civilians. Throw three to four hundred thousand or more into concentration camps. And displace over a million others into uh, army-supervised villages, which were essentially prison camps. While only 32 whites were killed, British forces also dropped over... Oops. All right, it's moving a little bit fast here. Pardon me, I'm going to rewind a bit. While only 32 whites were killed... British forces also dropped over 6 million bombs on the country, carried out a mass campaign of torture, rape, castration, and mutilation of tens of thousands of men, women, children, and even babies to suppress the movement. Though the uprising was largely suppressed in 1956, Kenya achieved independence in 1963. Wow, I didn't know any of that. There's a lot that they don't teach us at all. So again, uh, if you go to workingclasshistory.com, you can find the video for that as well as a lot of other, lots of other information. Just all the fucking war committed by empire and the quest for empire, how fucking disgusting it is and how it continues to happen. Uh, I did want to uh, go back to mention uh, previous episode I played also from uh, working class history. There was an episode about GI resistance in Vietnam, which I see, think is super crucial and just really important. I had no idea about a lot of it until recently. There's a film called Sir No Sir that details that a lot. Just folks refusing to take orders and in some cases killing their commanders. And I played part of the part one of that episode on I think last week's show. And I also wanted to recognize that there's a part two of that episode, which I listened to. And it was really interesting. They talked about the role of women in the anti-war movement and how a lot of this misogyny and backlash towards women's rights was in part due to women speaking out against the war and just really um, speaking out about that. So I thought that was really an interesting connection I never made before. There's just so much. And I would love to put like a, it's just, I think, so difficult because there's so much harm that continues to happen and violence that continues to happen. And it's important to learn about the past and what's happened in the past. And so much has been covered up and not talked about. And we want to, and it's important to understand that so we can go understand that going forward. And at the same time, that every day there's still just so much violence happening. How does one, how does one even witness everything while grieving for the past and preparing for the future and showing up for folks. I don't fucking know. I come here and I talk for two hours and I'm in no way. I mean, I'm more informed in some ways and I still have more questions than answers. I mean, I do have some answers. I believe in direct action and I believe in people protecting themselves. And at the same time, I understand the exhaustion and how do we get people out of jail? 
while there are war criminals walking free. That things feel really fucking backwards. And then on top of that, we got the environmental destruction, which I don't, I don't talk about perhaps as much as I could on this show. And there's just, it's, and the air quality. I mean, I'm indoors right now and I can definitely tell the air quality is pretty rough. I'm tempted to put on a mask and I don't know if I might sound muffled. See, I, I sound muffled by the microphone and my glasses fog up. Oof. Well, I think it's time to wrap up the show. We've covered a lot. A big thank you again to Jesse for calling in. And I'm going to bring back up some info to share with folks. Thanks to all the folks protesting and organizing in direct action. All the folks put your bodies on the line in various ways. I'm super grateful. Also, big thanks to Juba Kalamka and Leroy Moore for creating such incredible music. Again, you can find Invalidations Volume 2, and I will play more on next week's show. Uh, you can find it at jubakalamka.bandcamp.com. That's J-U-B-A-K-A-L-A-M. Ka.bandcamp.com and Validations Volume 2. Lots of other great music on that site as well. Please support artists. Um, yes. Okay. So, yes. So there's that. Okay. Uh, getting all my thoughts together here. Um, also, um, brief plug for an upcoming event. Let me uh, bring that up right now here. At the okay, there's a free QTPOC screening of the Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson at the Oakland LG. Ah, can I speak right now? I'm I'm a little bit tired of speaking. Oakland LGBTQ community 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 center, which is Sunday this Sunday. To see today is the ninth, so that'll be the eleventh. So November eleventh from two p.m. to four p.m. And there's an invite on Facebook. It's a public invite. It's hosted by Spectrum Queer Media and the Oakland LGBTQ Community Center. It's an awesome film. I recommend folks check it out. Again, November eleventh, Sunday, two p.m. to four p.m. at the Oakland LGBTQ Community Center. Check it out. Um, also, I'm going to. Um, Let's see. All right, the PayPal. So please do, if you're able to get down to to um, help folks down at the this imaginary fucking border here, please do so. Also follow Jesse on Twitter at Slender Butter, which is on Twitter, and you can also PayPal, um, which is Feathered Pebble. That's F E A T H E R. F excuse me. F E A T H E R E D. P-E-B-B-L-E, which is on PayPal, paypal.me forward slash feathered pebble. We've also put this on the weekly review webpage as well. Please do contribute to help folks who are in the caravan. Um, spread the word, have conversations with people. Uh, think about other ways we can help. Um, and also just directly. Okay. I'm tired of talking. Going to end up with some music. Come up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val. Have a have a better week than last week, I hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks so much for listening. Well, let me just give you a naked few of these little brands of yours. They're quite large too, aren't they? Yes. Let's open your mouth. Let's just have a look at those teeth. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, you come and spend a few days with us, and we'll get all that fixed up for you. All right? Good, well, you can go now and see Mummy now. Okay, Ah. bye-bye.
don't know my own
Is what? Is Uncle Sam's dirty hands? Everybody, put your hands together for Justin Lockwood! Keep it going for Pam! Thank you all so much for coming out. It's the last show of the night. Make some noise! We're smoking weed indoors. Yeah! A little bit of a surprise just to start the evening off. Uh... This is actually an intervention. You all need help. <laughs> it's the only way we could do it. This is amazing. Thank you all for coming out to Weed is Legal here at the Mutiny Comedy Festival in San Francisco. We're smoking weed inside. It's a shitty thing that this is a radio show. We need some. <laughs> doesn't translate over the airwaves. Everybody who's listening, you have no idea what this room of misfits looks like. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, I was raised on a uh, on a working pot farm in the uh, 80s up in Mendocino by hippie parents. My parents are, yes, give it up for my mom and dad, sure. Uh, my mom and dad are real hippies, like authentic 70s hippies. If you want to know what my dad looks like today, 
just think to yourself, hey, what would it look like if the guy from the zigzag papers and Gandalf had a love child? That's what my dad looks like. Still here. Uh, let's see. I feel like we're two months into this year. We're two months into weed being legal. And I feel like we're already running out of things to infuse it with. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we've gone through the, the food, the drinks, the candy, the lotion. I feel like we're running out of shit. My girlfriend and I recently tried weed lube. Anybody else, adventurous lovers? No, just me? That's fine, guys. I'll do this by myself. We tried some. That shit is strong. We tried just a little bit. Didn't even end up having sex. Uh, her vagina would not stop talking about this dream it had. Um, super annoying. Got the munchies. I just fed it potato chips all night. It sucked. It's awful. Um, yeah. Costco just announced they're going to start selling weed. No. no, that's true. They are. And it, it really... It really begs the question, you guys. Um, how much weed do you really need at one time? <laughs> I mean, look, I don't want to get all judgy on anybody here, but like if you're buying weed and somebody offers to, I don't know, like help you to your car, maybe that's too much weed. <laughs> Here's what I really want to know. What I really want to know is, um, what is that sample table going to look like? Excuse me, excuse me, sir, sir, sir. Hi, hi, how are you today? Hi. Would you like to try some Kirkland Kush? You want to hit this? It's good stuff. Can you imagine being stoned in Costco? I would lose my fucking mind. I feel like it would be cool at the time, but I feel like I would get home later, sober up, look around at everything I had bought, like, oh, fuck. Okay, 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 the, uh, the 40 pounds of pretzels makes perfect sense, but why do I have a wetsuit and six gallons of mayonnaise? What was my plan here? My mom and dad are very upset about weed being legal, but like uh, as Pam said, that's because they've been selling weed for 40 years, and they just don't like competition, you guys. They just don't. Uh, my mom and dad have sold weed my entire life uh, since I was a baby. Uh, I know that for a fact because my birth certificate lists my weight in grams. Um, it's true. It's a, it's a beautiful document, you guys. It really is. It's just, uh, it's just my name, uh, my two little footprints, and my street value. Uh, I was a big baby. I was born at home. It was the only scale they had. It's a true story. Uh, my mom and dad sent my brothers and I to Waldorf School. Uh, if you're not familiar with Waldorf School, that's okay. Uh, it's an alternative school. Uh, it's a hippie school. It's also not really a school. Um, I mean, fine, like, sure, like, technically it's a school, but it's like the kind of school where you can answer a math question with interpretive dance. It's one of those schools, like, I can barely spell or do even basic arithmetic, but oh my God, can I play the recorder. I mean, I fucking own hot cross buns, okay? I fucking own it. I don't really know how money works, but I can make a dream catcher out of pipe cleaners and dental floss, so I'm killing it. <laughs> I feel like I lost some of you on that one. <laughs> anybody, else, uh, anybody else have kids? Yeah? 
Yeah, just one other sad person. All right, good. Everybody else made better life choices. That's cool. That's great. I, uh, I know some parents that can smoke around their kids. I cannot. I have a seven-year-old boy, uh, and if I smoke around my son, he just fucks with me nonstop. I'll get, like, really, really high, and then he'll look at me and say, like, Dad, do trees have dreams? I don't know, Shiloh. Fuck! <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't sleep for, like, three days on that one. <laughs> it's too stressful. Hanging out with a seven-year-old boy is like hanging out with a just really loud, emotionally unstable hobo. It's, he's just little and sticky and he stinks. I spend most of my time just chasing him around while he screams like, I want a drink, I want to ride the train. I'm sad and I don't know why. <laughs> oh my God. I, uh, I live in Berkeley now with my son. Anybody else? Berkeley? Thank fucking God. That place has gotten super uptight, guys. Really, really uptight. Every joke that has ever been made about Berkeley is actually the God's honest truth. Berkeley is just a coven of angry lesbians that are all raising their adopted pets to be transgendered vegans. Like, I love it, but it's true. My son's name is uh, Shiloh, which is a very straightforward name for us Jews. Uh, some of the names of the other kids in my son's class, though, have gotten entirely out of hand. Like a Berkeley school is the only place you'll hear an announcement that goes, pardon the interruption, namaste, please report to the principal's office, namaste, resist, your mother's here to get you, resist, your mom's here. Okay, so those two are made up, but this is true. This year, <laughs> my son's desk buddy, like the little kid that sits next to him all year, his name is Kale. K-A-L-E. And don't get, no, Kale is a very, very sweet young man. Very nice little boy. I like him a lot, but I feel super bad for Kale uh, because Kale is going to grow up to be a man one day, and uh, nobody wants to fuck Kale. Just nobody. Nobody wants to yell the words, yeah, give it to me, Kale. You're an animal, Kale. Don't stop, Kale. Hippie parents have got to stop naming their children unfuckable names. It needs to stop. No more feather, no more river. I'm pretty sure Kale's little sister is named Arugula. We need to end this shit. It's tough being a parent here in the Bay Area. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it's tough everywhere, but you know. Jesus, I am getting high just standing up here. I don't know if I'm going to get through this set without needing a taco or something. It's, uh, it's tough being a parent here in the Bay Area. Most of my friends work at, like, big companies in the city. I don't work at one of those companies. Sometimes we go out. I feel left out of the conversation. I've come up with a solution, though. Uh, I just never ever refer to my son as my son. Uh, I only refer to him as my startup. Um, not going great, guys. It's really not. It's been seven years, still hasn't turned to profit. Um, you know, ever since I started him with my now ex-co-founder, I, uh, I kind of feel like I'm just dumping money into this thing, and so far the only thing it's developed is like a real attitude problem. This is not the joke for this crowd. I have misjudged this moment. 
It's tough. I have nothing to fall back on as a parent either. I have, I'm a very different parent than my parents. When your parents, when you grow up like I did and your parents sell weed, like it makes it very difficult for them to punish you in any kind of way, like whatsoever. It's just, you know, Justin, you better get those grades up or you're grounded. Okay, dad, I'll work on it. Wait a second. Are you still breaking federal law, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm fine. I think I'm good. All right, let's see. What do I want to close on here? I feel like uh, I feel like we've gone to know each other a little bit. Let's get personal. Let's get down to it, guys. Should we do it? Should we do it? Let's do it. Has anybody here ever discovered that they have a sexual fetish by accident? Don't make it complicated, guys. It could be anything at all. Okay, keep it simple. You could be, um, I don't know. You could be, could be eating ice cream. Some falls in your lap and you get a boner. Okay, it could be that easy. I know you might be thinking right now, Justin, that's a weird example, but there's at least two guys here right now who are like, I'm going to try that later. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I discovered one recently. Uh, I was having sex with a girlfriend, like we do. She was on top, but facing away from me, uh, a position that other people might recognize as the one where I pretend you're somebody else. <laughs> She's on top, facing away from me. All of a sudden, she sees her dog in the living room doing something she doesn't like, and she starts yelling, No! Bad boy! Bad, bad, bad boy! And then I come instantly. <laughs> Woo! Really caught me off guard, guys. Really took me by surprise. Even talking about it with you right now, I'm a little excited. It, uh... And the thing is, like, I don't want to talk with her about it. Like, I'm too embarrassed. Like, I don't want to own that one. I don't want to own up to that. Uh, I am teaching the dog to piss on the rug, but I don't want to talk with her about it. Um, which is weird, too, because, like, between the two of us, she is clearly the kinky one. Like, clearly. Like, really kinky. Like, the kind of, like, the kind of kinky where it's almost stressful. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Have you ever been in a relationship or somebody where, like, if you were in bed together and you couldn't see their hands, you didn't feel safe? Anybody else? Anybody else had a partner where you had to put bubble wrap down on the floor so they couldn't sneak up on you? It's like that. <laughs> All right, guys, we have an amazing lineup of comics tonight. Oh, thank you so much, because I wasn't going to remember anybody's name. I am... <laughs> I mean, that's par for this show, right? I mean, if I don't have a piece of paper at this point, Jesus Christ, I am baked. I have this weird fear that somehow my seven-year-old son is at home listening to this. <laughs> Go to sleep, Shiloh. Um, I don't know if anybody else has ever uh, had their child uh, find their weed brownie in the refrigerator either, but that's a hard one to talk a seven-year-old out of. <laughs> no, Shiloh, you can't have that brownie. It has medicine in it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me I can get my medicine via brownie? I've been getting shots like an asshole over here. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're curing everything with brownies, you fucking asshole. I love it when he swears. I really do. It's so The other day, he looked at me, and he said, you know, Dad, nobody speak, nobody get choked. And I was like, I'm a great dad. <laughs> I, I am killing this parent thing. I wish that wasn't true. All right. Our first comic coming here to the stage. I don't know anything about any of the comics on the show tonight, and that makes it fun for me. Give a big, warm welcome to Brian Bixby. Thank you. Thank you. Good up for your host. All right. It's my first time. First time smoking weed on stage. This feels good. Feels nice. 
I don't remember any of my jokes, so that'll go well, right? They say, uh, people say weed, smoking weed kills your ambition. But, you know, I've gone periods without smoking weed, and um, I'm just fucking lazy. Like, that's, I just found the companion. Ever spend a whole week on the couch just because you bought too much weed? Like, you just lay there for a week like you have mono, but you totally don't. Like, <laughs> so you just lay there, and by Saturday, you're just surrounded in empty wrappers and bottles of urine. Like, you, couch cushions just smell like beer farts and bong water. You ever? It's great. I think, uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good that weed is legal now, cause. The worst part about weed it was always waiting for the weed guy. Like, the guy who would take one full business day to return your calls. Like, that, like I have less patience for a weed guy than I do for an ambulance. Like, if I'm bleeding out. I don't know. Weed is, uh, weed is, weed is good. Uh, getting high is, I, I think it's better than drinking. Like, it's better, it's better for you. It's, uh... It's safer. You don't do stupid shit. Like, they don't have a weed that's like, oh, man, this shit right here, this shit will make you steal a lawnmower. Like, <laughs> ride it around. It's good. Uh, we, uh, like, stoners, we, we never get naked and run around at a party. Like, uh, but I have been known to strip down for some sloppy joes, like, <laughs> occasionally. We don't really, like, uh, like, both stoners and drunks bump into shit, but when drunk people bump into shit, they just plow through and they keep going, right? I'm going, like, but when a stone person bumps into shit, they just stand there looking all confused, like, what was, like, I went, I was at this weed fest thing on 420, and, like, I watched this guy bump into a tent pole, and then he stood there for a second, and thought about it, and then turned around and went the other way. <laughs> I can't go this way. <laughs> the path is blocked. That's good. We don't, uh, drunks, drunks have blackouts, but uh, stoners have, wait, what am I talking about? <laughs> so that's fun. I also, uh, I like psychedelic drugs of all kinds. I like magic mushrooms. Yeah. They're always so, like, enlightening every time you take mushrooms. Like, the last time I took them, I spent four hours just staring at a wall. That was it. And then I realized they were shiitake mushrooms, and I'm just a boring person. Like, that was <laughs> what I learned. I, uh, I, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. Uh, we had a saying in Wisconsin. It goes, fuck, I live in Wisconsin. Ugh, this place sucks. How can we raise our child here, cousin? Like, that <laughs> A lot of pedophiles in a small town. A lot of pedophiles. All kinds. Uh, I remember I even knew about a pedophile in a wheelchair. Yeah, a wheelchair. How did he do it? Dress up as a race car bed? You tell me. 
how. I've lived in, uh, I moved to, we're s still going over here, it's just kicked in. The left. All right. I just, uh, I just moved to, I moved to Portland two years ago. I've been living there, and uh, th that's the first place that I learned about the world naked bike ride. Yeah, I will never do that. Forget it. I'm not trying to find out if my ass can deep throat a bike seat. Like, I'm not interested. I hate people in shape. I hate them. They suck. Like, I totally get why joggers are always getting murdered, you know? Like... <laughs> Cause fuck them. <laughs> I'm really out of shape. Uh, like, here's how out of shape I am. Uh, the other night, I was fucking. Okay. Um, you gotta believe the premise. Come with me on this, please. <laughs> I was fucking, and at a certain point, I had to fake an orgasm because I was just winded. <laughs> like I was. I was tired, like I was just breathing heavy, like, <laughs> and then I just made a face, like, and I got to stop, like, I wish I knew that in gym class, like, oh, if I just pretend to come, I can stop running laps, like, it's a good idea. I have cotton mouth. I can't even, I can barely move my tongue. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in myself. I, uh, well, I just, I know too much about myself, right? Like, I know that I'm a bad fuck. Like, I know that. I'm awful. I hump like I'm trying to move a washing machine by myself. Like, just... You ever move appliances, just hump it across the floor like, ah, yeah, baby, I call this two men in a truck. That's what I call it. <laughs> but, you know, women can have multiple orgasms. I know because I read. Uh, <laughs> that's where I learned that. Here's what I am good at, though. Here's what I am good at. I'm very good at eating pussy. Very good. I work hard. I'm dedicated, okay? If eating pussy was farming, I'm up at 4 a.m. hoeing the fields. Like, I'm out there. I eat pussy like I'm hunting for truffles. <laughs> like, I'm good at it. I even take off my glasses. I do. It's special. But then she says something like, oh, put on your glasses. You're eating out the couch cushions. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I, oh, I was wondering why I found 98 cents in here, pussy. This one girl asked me right in the middle of it, she asked me, she said, uh, what does it taste like? That's a bad question. Not good. Because I didn't cleanse my palate, so I don't know how accurate it'll be. I tried being nice. I'm like, wow, who made this pussy? Gordon Ramsay? This is incredible. Oh, you want the truth? What does it taste like? Um, it tastes like you peed recently. That's what it tastes like. Just a little. But I'm down here because I love you. And because my penis is not that long, so. 
But let me tell you, uh, it is not that big around either, so <laughs> don't get excited. I never call it a cock. Can't do that. Sounds too big, right? Cocks are huge. They have big veins. Like, that's the thing about a cock. It looks like an angry dad. Like, it's, like it's mad you broke a window. Like... <laughs> I don't have that. I prefer wee-wee. That's what I have. That's what I feel. I am circumcised. That's, uh, that's a good thing. Because uh, fuck a foreskin, right? I don't need that. It's the last thing my dick needs, a slimming hat. I don't need it. Here's why I think it's small. Here's what I think happened. I think it's small because I sleep on it that's what happened right like I think it's supposed to grow at night but I'm just smashing it down every night I wake up and it looks like grass where a car has been parked for a year like it's it's ugly should say something good about myself uh, never underestimate the intimacy of eating ass. It's very bonding, okay? The minute your tongue touches somebody's asshole, they instantly know everything about you. That's how it works. It's like a psychic holding a dead kid's baseball. Like, so wow, Billy says hi. <laughs> all right, that's all I've got, thanks a lot. Keep it going for Brian Bixby. You guys having a good time? Yeah. Welcome, sir. Welcome, Auntie Santa. <laughs> Every child's worst nightmare just walked in the door. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Be good or this guy is coming to the house. I have a new kind of parenting technique. That's great. Uh, let's see. We're playing a game now called Justin looked at the next comic's name literally 20 seconds ago. Can he remember it? Nope, it's Ben something. All right, let's see. It's Ben Harkins! Uh, hey, guys, how's it going? All right, that's pretty good. Uh, so I was going to, uh, I went to a movie a little while ago, and uh, I was too late for the movie. I had to wait like an hour for the uh, thing to come back around. And uh, so I went to the, uh, the Dollar Tree. You guys ever fuck with the Dollar Tree? I think everybody should go like to the Dollar Tree like before a movie because uh, if you spend like $12 on snacks at a movie theater, that's like popcorn and a drink. Uh, if you spend $12 on snacks at a Dollar Tree, like you gotta be out of your fucking mind. Like that is so much candy. <laughs> You're gonna need a bag, backpack. You should put it in the bottom of your backpack then put a book over it or put a hoodie over it or something like those because uh, those kids at the movie theater it is their job to look into your bag sometimes but they're not paid enough to actually like keep you safe so you just they you know they look and they're like okay yeah it's fine whatever take your skittles we know you have them i love the dollar tree man like that place there's just something about just being surrounded by cheap shit and just knowing that nobody in this place 
is buying anything more expensive than me. Like all of the shame and the decorum just falls right off of you. It's an oasis from the rat race, man. Like, like you just saunter around with your mouth open. Don't give a shit. You're not impressing anyone. I'm just leaning into shit really close. Like, wow, they have like three different kinds of scissors here at the Dollar Tree. I wonder which one is actually worth a dollar. Like that, like you can walk into a Dollar Tree and get a uh, black mask, black gloves, a kitchen knife, a box of matches and a Bible for the price of a cheeseburger. Like, you can do some fucking damage in this country. You can work half a shift at Taco Bell, take your earnings and get famous, and that option is just always available to everyone all the time. It was, uh, it was a Dollar Tree by the mall, though. You guys, uh, you know how, like, if you go to the mall, there's, like, teenagers, and, you know, they're unsupervised. They're dating now. They don't really, they make out, but they don't really know how to do it yet. Like, it's just what they lack in experience. They make up for with, like, a lot of jaw, a lot of neck. It's really, uh, it's gross. There's no shame in them. I was in the Dollar Tree, and there's this, like, 14-year-old couple, and they were uh, going at it, like, way too hard. And here's the thing, like, I don't think they should be doing that in the Dollar Tree. She was, like, giving him one of these, like, on the outside of his pants. And, like, uh, I don't think they should be doing that in the Dollar Tree, like, but also, like, I'm, like, a 30-year-old man. Like, I'm not even supposed to be looking at this shit right now. Here's what you do. You, you run away. That's what I did. You act like you had something to in the aisle. I grabbed 9-volt batteries. They have two packs of 9-volt batteries for a dollar. How's that even possible? I need a, uh, I need the smoke detectors to work in my apartment anyway. Uh, my girlfriend, she's a witch. And uh, she's always doing witch shit when I'm asleep. <laughs> like, she woke me up at, like, 3 in the morning. She was like, hey, I'm, I'm doing a seance. I'm contacting Cleopatra. I was like, did you blow out the black candles before you came in here to tell me this? Like, because, like, I can, like, I, I said this already. Like, I'm a 30-year-old man. Like, I'm not afraid of spirits, but I can't have, like, unattended sage. So, uh, you know what always gets my dick hard is uh, the music of Stephen Foster. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who don't know, Stephen Foster is an old-timey, like, 1800s composer from Pittsburgh. He uh, wrote uh, Swanee River. He wrote Camp Town Races. You know, like, Camp Town Races, sing this song, dude, dude, like, that used to be like the best song in the world like that was <laughs> that was the best that we could do like that because nobody had ever heard music like that before they're just like holy shit dude uh dude uh like he's a man possessed <laughs> that song was famous on both coasts of the united states before there was like radio People used to fuck to that song, man. Like, they... <laughs> people used to be, be... When that fucking doo like, first drops, like, that's when people in America first discovered that you can just choke each other when you fuck. Like, that is... <laughs> that's how it goes. 
Duda. Yeah, all right. It's cheap. One more. Yeah. You guys, uh, I like, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Little Caesars Pizza. You guys ever fuck with Little Caesars Pizza here? I'd like, uh, okay, it's fine if you don't. I, I don't know why I even ask people. I'm going to tell the fucking joke anyway. Like, I'm, I, I'm here. I, I love Little Caesars Pizza because, like, they don't try to compete, man. Like, they, every other corporate pizza place is trying real hard to convince you that their shit is gold. Like, they, I think, like, there's this slogan, like, better ingredients, better pizza. And Little Caesars is just, like, every building that's a Little Caesars, that place used to be a dry cleaner. Little Caesar's just like better ingredients for it's just fucking pizza. <laughs> How much are we gonna pay for that guy's pizza? No, don't do that. No. Who's got money for that? Who has money for the Domino's Pizza pizza and you bite into it and look there's another little pizza inside of it. Wow. Instead of crust it's pigs in a blanket. So creative. Little Caesars isn't trying any of that. Little Caesars is just like, no, like I'm not gonna bring it to you. <laughs> no, you come to me at Little Caesars, you pick up your pizza here, but also you can't eat it here. I don't care <laughs> where you eat it. You can eat it in your car. Little Caesars doesn't have any tables. It's a restaurant with no tables. They they didn't take like they didn't give up on selling pizza. They just took the concept of giving up and just turned it into a business model and just started making cuts. They're like, why do we why do we still need these tables? Get them out of here. You know, a table so bad we gave you a box, didn't we? No, we can keep a chair. One chair, so you can wait for your pizza. But you better not eat in that chair. That's for who's next. I went into a, a Little Caesars pizza a while ago, and the uh, girl behind the counter, she had like numerous, numerous bracelets on both of her wrists and uh, very heavily caked on makeup. And from that, I would guess she's probably like 17 years old. But uh, then when I looked into her eyes, that's when I could tell she's probably actually been uh, dead for centuries. <laughs> I was like, hey, can I get like a large cheese pizza, please? And she was very professional and very polite with this. She was just like, we actually only have one size of pizza here at Little Caesars. Uh, it was very professional, very polite. I liked how she worked the restaurant's name into that, too. But uh, like I think what she meant to say was uh, just, do you know where the fuck you are right now? Like, do you you want different sizes of? We have one pizza pan in the back. We make the breadsticks in that thing too, man. Like, we keep the pan next to the cup. The cup says sauce. And guess what? That's how much fucking sauce goes on the pizza. No more, no less. 
They have to live by that at Little Caesars, man. Like they're making, they're selling those pizzas for five dollars. Like they, I think that if one hundred Little Caesars employees just in the same afternoon were like, "Hey, my friend's coming in. I'm gonna put a little extra cheese on this pizza," just the whole house of cards comes tumbling down, and nobody works at Little Caesars anymore. I like uh, Little Caesars pizza. Uh, because they're like, uh, hey, if you want a pizza for five bucks, which is a bargain, uh, guess what? It's done. Uh, <laughs> it's been done for like two fucking hours. So <laughs> do you want it or not? Just like, it's like the, the only honest sales pitch. All right, guys, you've been cool. Thank you. Keep it going. Oh, my God. I feel like talking about pizza for that long in this room is just mean. <laughs> Fuck. Are you smoking a joint now? Good. All right, good. I was a little bit worried. You look like you walked out of an Archie's comic. I was a little... I looked around this room and was like, everybody else looks like they belong here. What's up with you, rugby? <laughs> it's Archie 10 years later. He let himself go a little bit. He's here tonight. No, I'm sorry. I'm just being an asshole. Thank you for coming. All right. I know. There's a lot of smoke in here right now, Pam. No, I, seriously, if I, I feel like if I yawned right now, I would die. It was... All right, our next comedian coming to the stage. She's wonderful. You're going to love her. Give it up for Molly Sharo. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, man. This is like the awkward coughing and laughing show, which I'm totally digging. I'm just, oh, this is a great joke. Um, uh, yeah. I, uh, I got dumped recently. Woo. Um, but the same guy two times in a row. <laughs> Go me. Um, uh, there was no lady's choice in the matter. I like that he got to do it twice. So was the bitch of it. Um, <laughs> uh, he broke up with me during sex. Does that anybody else in here? Just me? Cool. Um, not upset about it. That's fine. Uh, I just like at some point he was like, look, looked up to me. He's like, you know what would be better? Not ever fucking doing this again. That would be so awesome. Uh, I feel like every little girl has like a dream where they're like, maybe one day when shit hits the fan, I can do porn. Now I'm like, I don't even know if I can do porn. <laughs> and I just, that's kind of, was my bread and butter. And I'm just like, I don't even think I'm that good at it now. I don't even know. <laughs> like I've been dumped for, like, when I was 22, I got dumped for a 39 year old. And I feel like when I'm 39, I'm going to get dumped for a 22 year old. Like it's just going to go full circle for me. <laughs> That shit comes back at you. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, my uh, my dad had heart surgery recently. Um, he he's fine. He's good. Um, I always worry about his heart because his dad died from a young age of a heart attack. Uh, his dad died in the bed he was born in. Yeah, we're like the ultimate hoarders in my family. We do not throw <laughs> shit away. Some fucking placenta on that. <laughs> Put the baby down on it. It's cool. Um, <laughs> That's how you wipe off placenta, by the way. <laughs> Just left-handed. <laughs> Just fuck it, whatever. Um, 
Uh, my mom, though, she's kind of being a bitch about it. She's like, your dad has a heart problem because he drinks all the time. I'm like, bitch, you have a wine cooler in the kitchen, okay? <laughs> At least dad's beer cooler's in the basement. He has to walk for that shit. <laughs> Might be what kills him, but he's walking for it. He's <laughs> a good stance on it. Uh, my dad's a big guy. He's 6'6", six, six, uh, mustache, drives a truck, uh, big rig. Um, little known fact, he likes cats. He likes to collect cats. <laughs> Uh, like everybody in the garage brought cats in to kill all the rats and he's just fucking feeding all the cats. Just like, it's cool, I have friends. Like, no, man. <laughs> like he took down all his nudie posters and just put up cat posters in the garage. Like, hang in there, best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I had to see titties. They ain't get to see cats, other <laughs> cats. Um... I, uh, I live in LA right now. Um, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> it's different. Uh, it's lonely. I'm very lonely in LA. Like I thought about hanging out at a dog park recently. I don't have a dog, so I just want to make friends with somebody and then show up my roommate's cat on a leash. Like we're friends now. Uh, that's how you make friends in your 30s. That's all I've figured <laughs> out from now. Uh, I watch a lot of dog videos when I'm sad. Does anybody else do that? All of us. <laughs> yeah. I like reading comments on dog videos. People are like, that dog just looks like mine. They put a picture up. It's like, yeah, they're both fucking labs. Like, it's same breed. It's not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of lonely late recently. I had a dog walk by me, and I just, like, stuck out my leg just to feel the fur and connection to another being. Yeah, that's the kind of lonely I am right now. And I was just, like, feeling it, and I was just like, guys do that to women in bars. Like, I'm just <laughs> a fucking creep. I'm a dog creep. That's even worse. They do that, like, excuse me. It's like, you just touched my breast. It's fine. Um, <laughs> just me? All right. Um... <laughs> Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm pretty awkward. I feel like my life, my, my role in life is just awkward girl in the background of a porno. Just like I show up like, you guys still fucking in here? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta fax some shits. <laughs> Surreal office for God's sake. Dating's rough. I got dating advice from my male friend. Not a good idea. Guys are not good at that. He's like, if a guy likes you, he's just going to ignore you. I was like, cool. What if he doesn't like me? He's, like, he's also going to ignore you. I'm just like, cool. Everyone wants to fuck me. That's where I'm at right now in my mind. I like dating, though, that awkward, like, sitting across from somebody trying to figure them out. My favorite question, though, is... Um, are you a boob guy or a butt guy? That's my go-to when I'm on a first date. And then sometimes you meet a guy who's like, I like all parts of a woman. I'm like, ah, you're just a fucking foot guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> just smelling feet left and right. <laughs> um, I, uh... My sister had a baby recently, um, so I'm an aunt. Uh, this is a lot of hard work. I, just, I showed up and he was there, so it was cool. Um, but my parents came in to see us and it's like she had the baby and she lives out here in uh, uh, California. And my parents were just like so overwhelmed with the baby, but they didn't know how to talk to me anymore. And they're just like, I wasn't such a good mom. And they just looked at me like, you're so good at parking. <laughs> like, you're nailing that parking. Like, I'm just like, I have a backup cam. It's no big one. <laughs> Nailing life. Um, <laughs> I quit school to come out to LA. That was a 
2009, Molly's like, fuck you, community college. In 2017, Molly's like, fuck you, community college. <laughs> Next year, Molly's like, well, maybe we'll try it again. I don't know. <laughs> Two-time community school dropout. My sister's a genius. Um, she's uh, trying to cure cancer, make cheese. I don't fucking know what pathology means. Um, <laughs> she's just always trying to explain shit to me. Um, <laughs> that joke just like my sister's a bitch. Um, <laughs> I uh, I have two roommates. Uh, one's a comic. Um, he likes to do this thing every morning where he's like, "Well, open mic, you going to?" I'm like, "I don't know what open mic you're going to." And it's just like we have like a secret shittier mic we don't want to tell the other one about. <laughs> show up at my shitty mic. <laughs> he also has this annoying thing that other comics do where they look for somebody more important to talk to behind you. It's like, it's just both of us in the fucking kitchen, man. <laughs> no one's going to book you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. My other roommate, his name is Pasta. Um, I don't really need to describe that. Just imagine what he looks like, and you're right. Um, it's fucking Pasta. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I went in your room the other day because I wasn't home, and I was like, oh, that's cool, man. Say no more. And he's like, I had to borrow lotion. I'm like, all right, now I need to jerk off in my room. That's cool. There's not enough sage you can burn in that room. He's like, there's just cum everywhere. Just waiting for a drawer to get stuck closed. That's my fear. Uh, I have a lot of fears in life, um, for aspires and heights. I think my biggest fear is I'm gonna be an episode of I didn't know I was pregnant. Um, <laughs> that was fucking terrifying. Every episode's the same. Every lady's like, ah, I thought I'd take number two, but a baby came out. It's taking number three, by the way, the hard three. <laughs> we just never want to be sitting on a toilet. Like I just keep flushing and it just keeps crying. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. Um, <laughs> uh, I do impressions. Do you guys want to hear an impression? Yeah. All right, on this one. Uh, this is my impression of Jerry Lewis singing Adele. Jerry Lewis singing Adele. Hello! That's it. Um, I'm Molly Sherry. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Keep it going. That's right. That's good. We're getting, we're, I was a little worried that the clapping was going to go down, but the clapping is good. No, no, I mean, not for me, just in general. Because we're, uh, all right, you can stop now. Now it's fucking weird. Now you're fucking with me, and I'm too high. I was afraid it was going to be a problem because, you know, I figured you guys would go to clap. You have a joint in one hand. You're really high. You'd be like, oh, my God, fingers are weird. <laughs> um, all right, let's keep this thing going. Our next comedian coming to the stage, she is very funny. Please make it loud for Amanda Golob. Hi, I know you all saw me like a couple minutes ago. It's great. Um, yeah, no, I didn't plan on smoking, but I didn't need to because I'm in this room. Uh, so that's been great. I, uh, I, I'm from, I'm from New Orleans. Well, I live in New Orleans. I'm actually originally from Los Angeles. Uh, it's weird when you tell people like you moved away from Los Angeles because everyone is trying to get there so badly. Um, no, I, I, I hate going back there. I hate going to visit New Orleans. I mean, uh, Los Angeles. I hate going back to Los Angeles because I've gained 60 pounds since I moved to New Orleans. So I'm always scared they're not going to let me back in. 
I don't know. I don't know if you know this. When you get to LAX, uh, there's a separate line for people who don't have a California ID, and uh, there's a scale there. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I already weighed my luggage. And they're like, that shit's for you. That's, uh, but weed is legal here, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm learning that tonight for sure. <laughs> I haven't like been here since it's been legal, so I'm super excited about it. Um, I just think people here, you're so specific about your weed. I don't, I don't have that many weed jokes, and I usually tell them to people in Louisiana, so be patient with me. Um, but, like, everyone's so picky about their weed here. Like, in, in New Orleans, if someone just offers you a joint, you just fucking smoke it. You don't question it. Here, they're just like, what kind is it? What strain is it? You know, because I'm feeling really anxious right now, but I also want to hit the buffet later. <laughs> And you guys name all your strains, which is fucking cool. I don't know what strains I smoke in New Orleans. Uh, you name all your strains. Like, there's a strain, the Purple Urkel. I don't know if that's what we're smoking tonight. I don't know what we're doing. Purple Urkel, you get so fucked up on the Purple Urkel that the only thing you could say is, did I do that? <laughs> and you can't stop eating cheese. <laughs> but I like it. Y'all are creative. I think, like, you should keep going with the, you know, with the themes and the and the names, like you should have like the fawns, right? Like the fawns where you just get so fucked up that the only thing you could say is like, hey! <laughs> and all you wanna do is fuck Mrs. C. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't know how this was gonna go here, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Or like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Like you get so fucked up on that that you think sewer pizza's a good idea. <laughs> and you're convinced that Megan Fox can carry a franchise. <laughs> Oh, good, we're laughing. Sometimes I'm like, Megan Fox is not here. You can laugh at her. It's okay. It's okay. It's weirdly cold here. Like, it's cold. I'm, I'm in New Orleans. It's hot all the fucking time there. Um, it's cold here. I think people get weird when it's cold. They have weird sayings when it's cold. They say things like, it's colder than a witch's titty. Like, that's a saying. I don't know where it comes from. But as a gay woman, I have suckled many a witch's titty. <laughs> I'm going to assure you they're quite warm. They're quite warm. They're witches. That's what they do. They do it so well. I, uh, by day, I work at a nonprofit, um, so I make no money because I work at a company that doesn't care about money. It's cool. The, uh, there's some nonprofit, like the NFL's a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, they're a nonprofit. That's a real thing. And uh, that's not the company I work for. <laughs> we actually don't make any money. And then I do free comedy at night, uh, so I really <laughs> lose money. <laughs> uh, so I try to, you know, in my spare time, I do some Uber Eats to make some money. Um, I don't do regular Uber because my car's so junky uh, that they won't let me put people in it. But they'll let me put your food in it. It's really great. No, my car's so junky, I actually had an alumni like license plate holder and my school called me and they're like, you have to take that off your car. <laughs> you have to take that off your car. I, um, this next one, we'll just call it dead grandma. <laughs> keep the keep the mood up, keep the mood up. No, my grandma, like, I, she, she lived till she was 96, so she had a good life, she had a full life. Uh, she was amazing, she was my idol. Um, growing up, she used to, like, you know, take me shopping and hang out with me, and she'd always take me out, and she'd be like, look, Amanda, don't trust men. All men want to do, they just want to poke you with their peckers. 
That's it. They just want to poke you with their peckers. And her alliteration got me. <laughs> her alliteration got me. So when I came out of the closet, she was like my biggest supporter. It was awesome. It was definitely awesome. But I, I want her to be looking down on me. Like I'm in a comedy festival in San Francisco. I want her looking down on me. When I graduated college, I wanted her looking down on me. Like I, I, want, I want her like in heaven looking down on me. Except the other night I was at McDonald's at 2 a.m. ordering $18 worth of food. And I looked up and I was like, please, Grandma, do not be watching this. <laughs> Do not be watching this, um, for sure. I um, let's see. New I live in New Orleans. New Orleans is an amazing place to be if you're gay. They're like very supportive. I know the South can be weird about being gay, but New Orleans is very supportive of you being gay. They actually have a gay softball league in New Orleans. They have a gay softball league, which is cool. I know. When I tell people I play gay softball, they're just like, "No, you mean softball, right?" <laughs> I'm like, "Ah, oh, the lesbians." It, it like look. Gay softball, the gay and gay softball is not for the lesbians. The gay and gay softball, that's for the gay men. It's for the gay men. You roll up to gay softball, you're handed a mimosa and a freshly pressed uniform. Like, that's some gay fucking softball, <laughs> right? I'm in the dugout last Sunday, and one guy's like, ah, I think I hurt my back.